0: Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 253. So for today's episode, I wanted to share that I recently had a friend and fellow photographer named Georgia Butler. She posted this past week on Facebook asking me if she should make the switch to mirrorless now that she needs to replace her current camera. And after some back and forth on what she's been using as her current body and the types of photography she does, I was able to give her a well-informed answer. And I thought it would be a good idea to share this with my listeners. Now, Georgia is curr- has been currently shooting with the Canon EOS T7 DSLR, which is an extremely capable APSC body that Canon released a few years back. Now, if you don't know, when it comes to Canon's DSLR bodies, they've done some really funky things. They have their consumer level cameras, which are the T series. They have their prosumers, like the 7D Mark I and Mark II. And that is 7 in the letter D, not the number 70. I know it sounds that way. Um, and then, of course, they have their 5D, 6D, and their 1D, which is their top of the line flagship bodies. So, she's been shooting with the T7 DSLR, and she gets amazing results with it. But I thought it would still be good to talk about this for this week's episode since she brought this subject up on a social media forum and asked me for my advice. Now, when you reach the point that you need to replace your camera, there are a few things to consider. And I'm going to put a list in this episode and give you my answers, as I'm sure it will help others with this exact same question. Now, as far as the first question, should I switch to mirrorless? Well, the answer is simple. Absolutely. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, why would you say that? Well, mainly because DSLRs are going the way of the dinosaur. It's now outdated technology. That don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean if you're currently shooting DSLR, you're using a worthless system. Far from it. DSLRs are still very capable cameras. But if you're in the market to buy a replacement camera for the one that you're currently using, then why not move to the latest technology, especially if you have the budget for it? Now, if you're shooting Canon or Nikon, the switch is even easier as you can keep all of your current lenses and still use them I'm not joking you didn't hear me wrong there you can use all of your old glass from your DSLRs on the Canon and Nikon mirrorless bodies why because both manufacturers have released lens adapters with their mirrorless camera systems that work flawlessly so there's no need to replace good glass when you can still use it for many more years. One last thing to remember on whether or not to go mirrorless, uh, remember that fairly frequently both Canon and Nikon have been phasing out their DSLR cameras and lenses recently. And that's going to continue to happen. That it's The paces that, with which they are discontinuing their DSLR gear is only going to quicken. And some of that's already become apparent due to the global semiconductor shortage. You know, when you have a limited parts supply, are you going to use all of those parts in older technology devices? Or are you going to use those parts in your latest and greatest technology? Hence, they've both been phasing out their DSLR lenses and bodies. And that's going to continue to happen until they're all gone. Okay, but now let's look at the rest of the logical questions that you need to be thinking about when you're wondering if you should make the transition to mirrorless from DSLR now that you're in the position where you need a new body, whether your old one's worn out or it's holding you back, whatever the case may be. So the first question you should be thinking about is, which mirrorless body should I buy? Well, now this is going to depend on the genres of photography you're shooting. Do you shoot wildlife or sports? If so, then you can buy the newly announced R7 if you're shooting uh, Canon. uh, And that's the mirrorless replacement for the Canon EOS 7D and 7D Mark II camera bodies. Those are considered prosumer bodies. They're weather sealed. They have great capabilities, but they are still APS-C. So, the R7 is going to be one heck of an upgrade as it's capable of 40 frames per second, where the 7D and the 7D Mark II can only shoot about 11 frames per second. So, you're going to get a heck of a lot of speed upgrade just in your continuous frames per second shooting for your sports and your wildlife. Now, if you're doing mostly landscapes and portraits, then you won't need insane frames per second. So you could opt for the newly announced R10. Now, of course, there is always your budget to consider. Now, in George's case, she has a budget of around $2,000, which means she could go with the R10 at nine hundred and forty-nine dollars but for her, I recommended going with the RP as she can spend about the same amount of money and switch from APS-C to full frame at the same time with $1,000 to spare. Now, of course, having that extra $1,000 to spare, she can either keep it in the bank or she can use that money to buy a couple of new lenses, depending on what she wants to go with, uh, depending on what she wants to buy. That's all up to her. Now, for these same questions answered on the Nikon side, you would want to go with the Z50, which is an APS-C body for $1,200 and then get a kit lens uh, with it of 16 to 50 millimeters. So for $1,200, you're getting the body and that one lens, or you could go full frame and get the Z6 first version for about $1,600 and still have a little bit left over for maybe one lens or just keep the other 400 bucks in the bank, whatever the case may be. Uh, But those are those are the first that's the first thing to consider. So next, number two, do you need the latest tech, the latest technology? If you need to have the very latest technology, then you're looking for the R7 or the R10 as they have the latest and greatest tech since they are the most recently announced offerings from Canon. They're going to have better autofocus, which includes animal and human IAF, as well as the latest AF tracking technologies. And the same thing on the Nikon side, if you go with the Z50 as well as the Z6. Now, of course, the Z6 Mark II would be even more advanced, but we're trying to stay within George's original budget. That's why I didn't mention that. However, if you have a more robust budget, then of course you could look at the R5 or R6 on the Canon side and the Z6 Mark II or the Z7 Mark II on the Nikon side. So you have a lot of selection there, no matter which camp you're in. Okay, so number three, do you need weather sealing? Now, this is another big question if you want to shoot outdoor sports that play no matter the weather, such as football. Now, if your budget doesn't allow for a professional level camera with weather sealing built in, no fear, you can always buy a rain cover for your camera body for a very reasonable price. Now, also keep in mind that even weather sealing is not absolute. So you probably want one of these covers anyways, especially if you want to shoot in pouring torrential rain downpours. Now, some of the newer rain covers that I mentioned a few weeks ago on the show uh, even have built-in sleeves so that it's much easier to work the controls without risking getting the camera soaking wet. You can just slide your arms into these attached sleeves that are built into the rain cover, and you can directly access all your dials and controls on the camera while keeping the camera and lens completely Dry. That's a win win right there. You don't have to worry about any of that severe moisture getting, uh, you know, getting past the uh, seals on your camera or the seals on your lens. Or if the lens doesn't have seals because it's not a weather sealed lens and you don't have a weather sealed body, you're not going to have to worry about any of that. That cover is going to protect your gear so that you can go out there shoot in that extreme weather and not worry about trashing your equipment which is something none of us ever want to have happen. But hey, you know, life happens. (laughs) It's just the nature of the beast. And especially when you're in photography, if you're like me, I'll shoot in crazy, insane weather. I'm not afraid to. I've been doing it. All of the 30 years I've been shooting photography, whether it was a a paid profession or a hobby or just shooting my own personal stuff, I've always been the type I'll go out and shoot in inclement weather. It does not dissuade me at all, which is kind of funny because when I first started doing real estate photography for the company that I contract with uh, to do that work, uh, and I was still living in the Atlanta area, it was so funny because I would get the... The people from the corporate office would hit me up, the scheduling folks, or my account manager, my rep, or whatever, would hit me up and say, hey, uh, are you willing to pick up these extra jobs today? And I'm like, yeah, why? What's going on? Oh, well, the other photographer doesn't want to shoot because it's raining. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They're not going to shoot because it's sprinkling right now. It's not even a torrential downpour. And they're not going to go out and shoot because it's raining? Yeah, give me the jobs. I'll do them. So they knew they could always rely on me in inclement weather. Uh, I apologize there. I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, just trying to, you know, kind of explain the situation to you there just a little bit. All right. Now I'm going to take a break right here and then I'll be right back and we'll continue this list and wrap up this episode. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at com. You can find the show notes and links at com, And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so question number four. Will the new camera require new memory cards? Now, this is another big item to consider when buying a new camera body, especially if you're making the switch to mirrorless from DSLR. Why? Because many of the new mirrorless cameras have switched to using CF Express cards. They're super fast, they're super capable, but they're also quite expensive memory cards to have to buy because they're the latest and greatest technology. So if you don't consider this beforehand, you could spend your whole budget on your camera body and lenses and then not have enough money left over for the new memory cards that you really need for that awesome new camera body. And that's not a good position to be in. So keep that in mind. Will the new camera require me to purchase totally new memory cards, different memory card technology? in order to be able to use it now a lot of the camera bodies even if they have cf express they'll have it only in one slot if it's a dual slot camera so the slot one might be SD UHS 2 slot two of the cf express so if you buy one of those cameras then yeah and all you've got is is uh sd cards then you can still keep shooting you just won't have the redundancy of the second memory card slot for like wedding photography or something like that until you have the money to spare to buy the some cf express cards to go in that second slot so just keep that in mind okay number five how many megapixels does the new sensor have now i've said time and time again i know you're probably screaming at your podcast player right now that megapixels don't matter as far as the quality of your work as a photographer but when you're buying a new camera they really do matter why Well, let's say, just as an example, your old DSLR is, say, 18 megapixels. And the new mirrorless body that you're buying is 36 megapixels. All right, that's a significant jump in file size. That's where the megapixels of your sensor is going to come into play. If you shoot raw like I do, those raw files from your old body might have been, let's say, 20 to 24 megabytes per image. By going to a 36 megapixel camera, your new raw file size is going to be more like 40 to 50 or maybe even 60 megabytes in size. That's a big jump. You're going to almost triple the size. So your current memory cards are not going to hold as many images until they're full. So you got to keep that in mind. Now, again, you're in a situation where you will need to buy larger memory cards. So make sure you factor this into your budget. Now, if you, let's say, for example, uh, with your 18 megapixel camera, all your memory cards are 16 gigs or 32 gigs, then yeah, you're going to be okay for a while. You could probably get by with your current memory cards, um, especially if you have several of them and and it's not going to be an issue, but you do want to keep this You know, keep this in the back of your mind when you're making that switch. You know, if I'm going to double the megapixels, then I've got to go with much bigger memory cards at some point to get the same number of shots. I mean, if you're shooting weddings and you're used to getting, you know, a thousand or 1500 shots per SD card before you're full, you know, and you just went to double the megapixels, now you're only going to get 700, 750 shots until your memory card is full. So just keep that in mind. Just something to think about that a lot of people don't consider when they're looking to make the switch. And this not only from mirrorless to, or DSLR to mirrorless, but you could run into the same snag going from one mirrorless body to another. You know, if you went from a 12 megapixel uh, DSLR body to an 18 or 24 megapixel DSLR body, same issue could happen. And it doesn't only affect your RAW files. It does affect your JPEG. So if you shoot JPEG straight out of the camera, the JPEGs are even going to be bigger. So keep that in mind. Okay. Number six, is your new choice going to be future-proof? Now, this is a question that many people forget to ask when looking to buy a new body. It was more of a question in the DSLR days, but it still applies today, even in the world of mirrorless. Will this new camera have you covered for the foreseeable future? Now, considering that tech changes frequently, it's a very good question, but to be honest, most of the technology behind cameras is all fleshed out so there won't be any massive jumps in technology for the foreseeable future. Um, Everyone has most everyone has eye detect autofocus in their bodies now everyone has AF tracking now as well as better high iso low light performance without introducing tons of noise in your images. Now, sure, eventually everyone will be making the move to stuff like global shutters. Uh, Eventually, everyone will make the move to stack sensors as well, which will give us more capabilities when it comes to our images and how amazing that they turn out. But for the most part, your new body is going to be fairly future proof. So don't sweat that. But it is something to keep there in the back of your mind when you're making this decision. All right. Number seven and the last item in my list, and there's probably some others that you could throw at me. If you do, please leave a comment in the Facebook group for this and the post for this episode. And let me know if you have some other questions related to this that I haven't covered today. But number seven is, will there be a steep learning curve? Now, this is another great question to ponder when buying a new camera. Now, luckily, if you're already shooting Canon or Nikon and you're going from their DSLRs to their mirrorless bodies, they have not changed their menu system massively with the release of mirrorless cameras. Now, I've owned both Canon DSLRs as well as their mirrorless cameras, and the menus were exactly the same, with everything being in the exact same place. Now, yes, I have not shot both DSLR and mirrorless on the Nikon side, but I have plenty of friends that have, and they told me the same thing. You know, Nikon didn't totally change their menu system on the mirrorless side versus the DSLR side, so everything is going to be pretty much in the same place. Now, sure, With mirrorless, there is some new technology and new features. So there will be additional items in the menus that weren't there before. But most everything else is going to be the same. The AF selection settings are going to be the same. Your image selection settings are going to be in the same tab in the menu, you know, whether you're choosing RAW or JPEG, blah, 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 all that. All of that is going to be the same. The only major changes there will be is in some of those tabs, those menu tabs, sub tabs, whatever you want to call them. They're going to have additional items for mirrorless cameras that weren't there for DSLR cameras because DSLR couldn't have all of the same technology as mirrorless. So that part is going to be new, but everything else, as far as the layout of the menus and how they look and everything is going to be exactly the same. So no, there will not be a steep learning curve there. Now, Maybe there'll be a few new buttons on the new physical body, as well as some new dials or something like that. But muscle memory doesn't take forever to build upon. And the more you shoot with the new body, the faster you will learn these new buttons and controls. Now, as far as the actual photography work, nothing has changed since photography started over 100 years ago. Since the exposure triangle has not and never will change, you're going to be good to go there. So, all it is is just, you know, the few new items in the menus that weren't there in the DSLR days and maybe learning an extra button or two or maybe a new dial or two on the outside of the body. But big deal. You're going to pick that up fairly fast. So, nothing to worry about there at all. You can buy with confidence that you're going to be able to pick this thing up and run and gun with it in no time at all. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, after covering the items in this list and talking them through in detail, you have a better idea on how to move forward when you reach the point where you're trying to decide on the switch to mirrorless. As I mentioned earlier, both Canon and Nikon will be phasing out the last of their DSLR gear in the next year or two. And then the only thing left will be mirrorless unless you want to buy used or leftover, you know, new old stock. DSLR gear. Uh, but the world of photography continues to evolve and the technology changes, but photography itself has always remained the same. So don't worry about that. You're going to still get amazing images. You're not going to struggle that much with making the transition from DSLR to mirrorless. It may may take you a little bit to get used to uh, an electronic viewfinder versus an optical one. Uh, But for most people, it's going to be a fairly smooth transition. Most people aren't really going to have any hangups with that. I know I didn't. Um, Well, I shouldn't say that. I did initially when I played with my first mirrorless camera, because the very first mirrorless camera I owned was a Sony Nex Six and Nex Six, and back in those days, the EVFs weren't that great. They were real laggy and jittery, and all that stuff. And you know, they couldn't keep up with any kind of movement or action at all. You know, you got the rolling shutter issues, which are now pretty much fleshed out in most manufacturer systems, and all that stuff. But, but like I said, if you're if you're buying a modern mirrorless camera, one that's been released in the last year or two, no worries there. You should be able to make the transition from optical viewfinder to electronic viewfinder fairly easily. And one of the things you're probably going to discover just as a final thought on this subject um, that I've had a lot of people hit me up and say they really love about having an EVF is that what you see is what you get. People absolutely love that. What I mean by that is because the viewfinder is electronic, when you're looking at it through the eyepiece, it's like looking at the rear LCD if you shot that way at any point in time. So, in other words, as you make your adjustments to your exposure triangle, whether you're changing the ISO or the shutter speed or the aperture, you're going to see the changes happen live in real time. So, when you make those adjustments, what you see through the viewfinder is exactly what the final image is is going to look like, will not be surprised, like you could have been in the days with an optical viewfinder. (laughs) All right, that's going to wrap up this episode plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, now that's going to wrap up episode 253 of the Liam Photography podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, wanted to remind you if you get a minute, swing by the Liam Photography YouTube channel subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media and elsewhere. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. I'd really appreciate that. And I'm sure you'll find videos there that you thoroughly enjoy. All right. I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.